Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hallelujah being considered a, a masterpiece, and I 100% believe it is, and it being the label deciding it wasn't even worth putting out the album that it was on Crazy. is a really good reminder as an artist that like people don't know shit, you know? <laughs> right? to Fanatics. I'm Jake Marin, and I am here with the one and only Claire Kramer. Hey, Claire. Hello, Jake. How you, how you doing today? I'm doing really good. I am really excited about today's guest because I actually met her years ago when I was first starting out doing stand-up, and it was really cool to hear her tell jokes back then because she was really funny, and it's going to be really cool to talk to her today because she's going to talk to us about her love for Leonard Cohen. And Claire, let me ask you, do you know anything about Leonard Cohen? Uh, wait, first, who are we talking to? Who's our guest? Oh, sorry. I just told you how much. <laughs> our guest is the one and only Avital Ash, and she is fantastic. You could see her in Barry. You could see her on Oh, Jerome, No. She's even starred and wrote in a few episodes of Antisocial Distance. And like I said, fantastic stand-up comedian, great person, and huge fan of Leonard Cohen. All right, Claire, now we're back on track. Okay. Yes, we are. We are. So let me ask you, what do you know about Leonard Cohen? I do not know much about Leonard Cohen. I know the top, top, top level scenario of who he was as a person. So I'm coming in like a blank slate. Win me over, which is usually not that hard. So, (laughs) you know, Jake, you... I actually do really like Leonard Cohen. I'm not a fanatic for him, but maybe after this episode I might become because I do listen to his songs, I'd say weekly. I'd say I listen to them at least weekly because they're very, they hit, Claire. They really hit. I reveal in this podcast who I'm a fanatic of, musician. Don't say it. Listen to the podcast. Who are you fanatical about as a musician? Who am I? Oh, I'll tell you exactly who I was fanatical, but I still am. Uh, Tom Petty. And Tom Petty for me... So I had back surgery when I was 19. I ruptured two discs and I couldn't walk for a month. I know it was very ouchy, but I would go on walks every day after that month and I'd go a little farther each day, a little farther each day. And I would listen to Tom Petty on loop. And he just spoke to me about like getting up, going, pushing through. And I wanted to see him in concert at the Hollywood Bowl. And my future wife and I were hanging out before we were even dating. And I said to her, I go, oh, I really want to go see Tom Petty. And she was just like, no, don't worry about it. He plays L.A. all the time. You'll get to see him next time. 
he died two weeks later. So I never got to see <gasps> Tom Petty perform. Mm. And that it weighs hey. on my soul, Claire, because I love him. You got to, you know, carpe diem, YOLO, all those phrases are around for a reason. Next time you know, you know, seize the moment and go. Um, mm. And we're going to talk about, about that today. So we hope you guys enjoy this episode with Avital Ash about Leonard Cohen. Let's go. I just saw the documentary Hallelujah on Netflix about Leonard Cohen, and I can't wait to talk about it. Avital, talk to me about Leonard Cohen. First off, when did you get into him? So, uh, it, embarrassing to say, I knew the Jeff Buckley Hallelujah before I knew Leonard. The first time I heard Leonard's Hallelujah, I was like, this is not as good. I don't feel that way now, but it started with some heresy. So I do have empathy for people that like feel like they can't quite get into it. And I feel like I'm, I'm a little bit of a Leonard whisperer. I can help people find um, what they love. And then I had a friend uh, right after high school, he started working at Sony and just would like send me CDs. And he sent me the essential Leonard Cohen and it like changed my life. Um, oh, okay. And then deeper and deeper. Yeah. So Avital, for people who don't know who Leonard Cohen is, give us the top line view. Who who is this man? He is a Canadian Jew. He was a poet first and foremost, and then started moving into songwriting. He was he learned from like a, a Spanish uh, guitarist in Montreal. I hope I'm getting that right. I think I am. And then kind of first achieved some notoriety writing songs for other people and then branched out into his other songs. And then I almost want to tell you this part because, okay, so this is the book, I'm Your Man by Sylvie Simmons that I love so much. And I was like looking through it this morning and I happened to flag this part. So it just feels perfect. But there was like one account that basically he listened to Bob Dylan and was like, I'm going to be the next, I'm going to be the Canadian Bob Dylan. Then there was another account. Well, he says he like set out to write country music. So he wasn't necessarily trying to be Bob Dylan. But then his own account is that a few weeks after the completion of Beautiful Losers, which is a book that he wrote. So he was also a novelist following a 10 day fast and a period in the wilderness. He decided to become a singer songwriter. So you can see this like spiritual bent from the beginning. He's always been this sort of like searcher, truth teller, and then just kind of pivoted. And a massive creative, like a creative genius, you know, yeah. because his channel isn't just music. But so would you say for your fanaticism with Leonard that it channels around the music or do you also appreciate his writing and his, you know, his prose, everything else? I love his writing and I think that's number one, but I also really love his voice. I was going to say his gravelly voice, but it got sort of more and more gravelly as time went on. I think for me, yeah, the way in is the lyrics but some people are like, I like the lyrics. I can't get into. I love the music too. So I just want to be clear. And mm-hmm. also, like, how impressed I am with his. He was great until the end. Like, he didn't have a bad album. You know, there was one that came out right before he died. There was one that came out right after. From like his first to his last, they're all gold, in my opinion. I like that. And for our listeners, I just want to let you know he didn't even start performing music until he was thirty years old, which blows my mind that somebody yeah. that good and famous for being an incredible guitar player and musician, didn't even start until he was 30. So I found that cool. It's very inspiring. And and you saw in the documentary, Hallelujah, you know, is a massive hit. It's like maybe the most covered song of all time, or at least in there. And um, the record label buried it. They didn't think the album was good. And, oh no, they wouldn't even release it. He had to go with the Uh smaller label because they thought it was trash. And, you know, which is so upsetting, but also inspiring. 
Now, the music itself, do you have a favorite song, or are you just kind of a fan of everything he does? Or are there certain albums that really speak to you? I hate to be like, it's all of them, but I guess <laughs> it really depends on the day. Certain songs, I'll be like, I don't, I don't like this one as much, and then years later, I will. I think when I'm really thinking about my own mortality, which is a lot because I lean depressive. <laughs> Some of his later albums are really great for that because he's just like facing down his own mortality with such grace and uh, beauty. And then, I mean, I really love, he hated the album he did with Phil Spector, which is understandable because the process was a nightmare. If you've read anything about it, it's kind of fascinating. And, and what we know about Phil Spector now as a murderer tracks with his experience, which is that he pulled a gun yeah. on Leonard and said, I, I love you, Leonard. And he said, I, I sure hope so, Phil, and didn't kill him, <laughs> luckily. But so that album must have been uh, a nightmare to make. And also, you know, Phil famously has his wall of sound, which is like not Leonard's sound. His is usually much more pared down, much more sort of acoustic feeling, except for the 80s stuff. I'm all over the place. But I love the Phil Spector album, even though I understand why, you know, Leonard didn't love it. But that's the thing about Leonard Cohen is that he evolved constantly. People would come up to him and be like, well, why didn't you do what you did three albums ago? And it's just, he just doesn't do that anymore. And listening to his lyrics to me, and I'm curious to see if you have this perspective with them too, they just hit home in a way that a lot of other songs don't. Uh, Everybody Knows, particularly, Mm -hmm. is, is probably my favorite song of his. And he just talks about all the depressing things going on in the world but he does so in a way like, eh, whatever, forget that stuff, just live your life. I mean, I used to tell people this line and blow their minds, but now I've seen it like written in bathroom stalls and it's not quite as esoteric as it once was, but the line, there's a crack in everything, that's how the light gets in, is like, I feel like really kind of sums up a lot of his view is like, he's not uh, pretending the cracks aren't there. He's just sort of seeing the light that gets in through those cracks. And it's a great Instagram quote. Perfect. <laughs> it is. Probably often is. misattributed it's... to Marilyn Monroe or yep. whoever. Most likely. <laughs> or Jeff Buckley, probably. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, not in that song, but still. What was your introduction to Leonard Cohen? What was your very first exposure to this man? So I think I, after hearing Jeff Buckley's Hallelujah, I listened to his. I didn't quite get it, but in my defense, I was in like ninth grade. And then I heard Famous Blue Raincoat, uh, which when you guys were talking about, you know, at the end, writing a love letter to Leonard. Famous Blue Raincoat is sort of, I think, in a way, a love letter to someone that has hurt him. And he, in the letter, he says, my brother, my killer. So it's not totally, you know, I think it's not a literal brother, but somebody who he was very close to who sort of betrayed him. And it's Leonard finding this forgiveness. And it's, um, it's very narrative, which I, I always like, you know, especially if it's not heavy handed this story of finding his way back to his lover and finding his way back to the person that stole her for a period. There's a line in that song, oh my God, that kills me. He says, what can I tell you, my brother, my killer? What can I possibly say? I guess that I miss you. I guess I forgive you. I'm glad you stood in my way. If you ever come by here for Jane or for me, your enemy is sleeping and his woman is free. And then, sorry, I'm going to stop. This next line, this is the line. He says, thanks for the trouble you took from her eyes. I thought it was there for good, so I never tried. Uh, uh, it's it's a remarkable. I know. Uh, uh, I got goosebumps. I'm equally impressed with your memorization skills, though. It's crazy because I have no memory for like chronology or what years anything happened. It's all a jumble. But but I do like his lyrics are, and I have a terrible memory. I'm an actor, and like learning lines is my least favorite part. 
But if they were all Leonard Cohen lyrics, I feel like I'd be fine, you know? You'd be good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was your entry point. How often do you listen to different albums? And what inspires you to choose which album? Is it it a mood thing? Like, I'm feeling this way today, this way today? Yeah. How's that selection? I listen to him a lot. I remember having a birthday party (laughs) and putting Leonard Cohen on. And my friend Drew was like, you can't put this on at a party. (laughs) And I disagree. I mean, I think some of those Phil Spector songs are more party. I I guess I'm in a lighter mood. I also really love Is This What You Wanted, which is off of New Skin for the Old Ceremony. And the chorus is like, is this what you wanted to live in a house that is haunted by the ghost of you and me? So it is still sort of this sad, but it feels like, I don't know, kind of more like it'll pump me up in, in a way that I like. It's not like a doesn't feel so sad. It feels kind of exciting and makes me think of like sort of spooky stuff. Like that's probably a good Halloween listen, but it's also a good year round listen. I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. When I want to (laughs) cry, I have other songs that I'll listen to. And then I think like, this is a really fun Leonard era that a lot of people don't know is like really angry Leonard. And if I just want to like yell, there's a song Diamonds in the Mine which I highly recommend if you haven't heard it, but he's like shouting. Like when I try to imitate it, it hurts my throat. And it is just this kind of like bleak, you know, the the titular line is like, um, there are no chocolates in the boxes anymore and there are no diamonds in the mine. It's kind of like everything is fucked. I mean, there's probably a glimmer of hope if I pulled up the lyrics because I think there always is. But yeah, that's good mm-hmm. for like venting. That sounds like him for sure with like the the darkness, but just a little bit of hope. And I'm curious. You know, you talked about your friends, like at a party, sharing the music. Do you share this love of Leonard Cohen with anybody in your family, a partner, friends? Is there anybody who's a big Cohen head like you are? I wish I had more of them. I have <laughs> one friend. We put, we played running charades and I'm trying to remember which song I put down. You know, you have to like act out the title of songs or movies or whatever. Uh-huh. And I have one friend who's a big Leonard fan and she was like, what is that? And I was like, this isn't even like an obscure Leonard song. Like you're... I'm not alone in it. But uh, I have my friend Liz is Canadian and like her dad kind of knew Leonard. And so she and I talk, but I try and I can't really, especially my partner, like doesn't really lyrics, like don't do anything for him or poetry. So it, it's isolating. Like I try, like, I love that you guys had a response when I said the, you know, thanks for the trouble you took from her eyes. Yeah. Like Claire, your face, it like warmed my yes. heart. It um, hits. It hits. But I don't feel like, yeah, like I have a, a community. After he died, I went, there was, um, uh, I can't remember what that center is called. It's where that theater is downtown. It's like a couple little theaters, the the forum, Mark Taper Forum and like a few other. And, mm-hmm. and people were just outside and they were playing his music. And that, I didn't even talk to anybody, but it just felt kind of like a nice communal experience. I did just discover mm-hmm. I have a cousin who loves him. And that was a really fun discovery because I went to Montreal as sort of a pilgrimage (laughs) and my cousin lives there and he was like taking me on a tour of like, here's where Leonard lived and one of the murals. That's cool. That was cool. Yeah, that is. Barely know too. Like he lived in Australia growing up. And so I'd met him once before. But this was like the bonding thing between you guys, like the common denominator. So we talked about your entry point and I'm sure you get asked this a lot by people who want to get into Leonard Cohen yeah. but don't know where to start. What advice do you give to someone who just has not listened to anything or read any of his books? Or Well, Claire, how 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 into Leonard are you? Where, 
I I don't know. I know the Hallelujah song. That's it. So I'm a good like I'm a template yes, here. You perfect. can like try out your pitch. So what to me. what yeah. kind of music do you like? Who are your favorites? Well, if I had to give like talking about Leonard Cohen is how I feel about Peter Gabriel. Oh, like cool. I go good one. Yes. So like I go way back, way back to the old days to up till current, like. You know, so I understand the connection between the music and the lyrics yes. and the, you know, when, when Peter made albums, it was out, al- they were experiences. They weren't just like a song, a song, a song. Yeah. And so I'm kind of getting that the same with Leonard. Yes. The albums are definitely cohesive. I mean, I don't want to derail this, but I would love to listen to you talk about Peter Gabriel. <laughs> well, that can be, that can be a different podcast <laughs> for sure. Cause I want to learn more. I love everything I've heard, but I never dug deep. Is, is there like, um, Oh yeah. A favorite song or like piece of a song that you would share? Oh, the secret world live album is the best album. Oh, I so I would, st- you could start there. Yeah. That's, but that's said, but we can't get too much. No, 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 I'm trying to think of I like the go. parallel Leonard of like, what's a, yes, like yes. a line from a song maybe that you love. Well, he, did you ever hear the song, the book of love? That's a Peter Gabriel song, but that to me could be in a vein, a Leonard Cohen song. If it was just a little darker, you know? Yeah, that's true. Which makes mm-hmm. me think of you want it darker, which is also a great Leonard Cohen song. Could be a good one, Claire. Mm-hmm. Book of love. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I would say like for me, I would want to listen to an album that took me on a journey. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be a happy journey. I prefer not a sad journey. I've got enough, you know, baggage in my life yeah. that I'm like, let me lift me up, make me feel good. Something, an emotional journey. I would say maybe Death of a Ladies Man, Leonard's least favorite album, the Phil Spector one, because it does okay. tell a story and you can, you know, the, the music is so much more in your face in it. But then also what's the one... This is where I feel like a, a fraud because I, I will forget which some songs very clear, which oh. album, but like some of the 80s songs might also be up your alley. Like everybody knows, like uh, First We Take Manhattan. I think you might like. Have you heard that song? I don't think so. I'm, but I will be Googling this right after this podcast. I think First We Take Manhattan is a really good, maybe good place to start for you. And then the only other piece that I would say is thinking about Book of Love makes me think like Leonard Cohen's view of love. I'm pulling up one thing. Uh, I love the way that he sort of combines like this idea almost of like prayer mm-hmm. and sex. There's a line, now you can drink it or you can nurse it. It don't matter how you worship as long as you're down on your knees, mm-hmm. which I think is very sexy. Uh, which a lot, of, a lot of his lines are. Yes, there's a lot of like blurring the lines between like sex and God. Oh, and I just thought of another one that I wanted to tell you, and then I forgot it. My brain. I'm like very, I'm like buzzing, and I want to tell you. <laughs> yes. Well, but you know what? Having something that gives you that invigorating feeling, you know, oftentimes people are like, yeah. I love this, or I love that. But really, like on Fanatics, we try to drill down to where it creates an emotional response, you know? And like yeah. that emotional response is really about what this podcast is exploring. It's not just the facts or the history or whatever. I love to hear you say like, I'm buzzing. I got it. I'm like here thinking about yeah. these lyrics. Like, and it's- well, I wonder what you would think of I'm Your Man, that the, the song that's the name of this book. Cause it is, it's got that 80s sound. It's about love, but it's also like you were saying, Jay, kind of like Peter Gabriel-ish, but a little darker. Uh-huh. Cause it's him sort of uh, detailing all the ways that he'll show up for her. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, if you want a partner- climb inside or if you want to take me for your for a ride here i am i'm your man but it also gets the chorus is so dark and haunting and beautiful and as so many of his lyrics are when you recommend songs to people because i'm sure all the time you know people find out that you're a leonard cohen fan they want to know 
Besides just giving them a good song to listen to, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to hook them on Leonard Cohen? Are you trying to help them to, you know, I don't know, find a deeper appreciation of themselves or just an understanding of the world? Uh, I guess my question is like, why? Why why share Leonard Cohen with I love people? that take. And I want to say, yeah, to give them a deeper understanding of the world. But I think um, first and foremost, it's like wanting a buddy, somebody who gets it. <laughs> Fair you know? enough. Uh-huh. But I do think that's why I, the reason I love him so much is he helps me make sense of a world that to me like doesn't make any sense. And that is often incomprehensible. And so if it can do that for somebody else, then what a beautiful deed I've done by virtually doing nothing. But also, yeah, I just want a partner. I guess I have one other friend who's a poet who loves him and, and we can, we can get deep into some of the lyrics. Well, go more about that with your, you know, your poet friend and you that you can talk about this stuff and specifically making sense of the world. How do you think Leonard Cohen does that for you? You mean like, what about him? Like, like, is it his lyrics or is it, you know, his life is very fascinating. This is a man who yeah. didn't start playing to his 30 after being a poet, lost all his money to somebody he trusted completely yeah. oh and, and then came back and toured at the end of his life and would make the joke that like, you know, he's going to play until he dies. So I guess, mm-hmm. is it more the man or the music that really makes you it's feel really that. both like talking about the man may be worth noting that we both had the hots for Rebecca de Mornay only he was engaged to her and I was not <laughs> but then he left that engagement and like went and became a, a Buddhist monk for yes. several years that was like the reason their relationship ended and I I relate to what a searcher he is and sort of unfortunately this like lack of contentment and this need to keep like looking for something else and an inability to be satisfied like one of the songs I really love is There is a War. And the chorus is sort of like, why don't you come on back to the war? That's right, get in it. It's like sort of pro-war, but not war-war, like the war at war home. War is a metaphor, like getting in the yes. Fight. Yes, yeah. war is a metaphor, getting in the fight. And it felt like he was much more comfortable being in a battle that's like life and death. He gets into it in Field Commander Cohen too, versus like the monotony of life being much, mm-hmm. I think, much harder for him. And I relate to that deeply too. Like Field Commander Cohen, it says Field Commander Cohen, he was our most important spy, wounded in the line of duty, parachuting acid into whatever, diplomatic. He It's just like this idea of himself as like a warrior. And he did join the Yom Kippur War, which is like a whole other book. But he like got, he like up and left, you know, what? his life. And yeah, in the middle of sort of homeostasis and went to try to be on the front lines when Israel was having this Yom Kippur war. And there was no like real organizational system. He sort of just went and, and had this sudden affinity for like a homeland that he didn't even really necessarily know. And he just like sang for soldiers on the front lines with some other artists. And uh, it's a fascinating period. But I think like, yeah, definitely the, the man himself is fascinating. And I relate for better or worse. But the making sense of stuff, like there's a war between the the rich and poor, a war between the man and the woman, like this just kind of seeing things or even, uh, uh, I just keep wanting to move into lyrics and I feel like that's that's not going to no, be interesting for anybody. It's, no, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, it's, yeah, it is. It's really interesting because that's where you get the sense of like the complexity of his mind. Yes. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. 
Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So understanding how his work affects you as a person is one thing that we've been talking about. But I'm also curious, how does his pro, you know, his library of work affect you as an artist? When you're creating a character, when you're like developing something internally that you're going to put out there artistically, how do you, do you reflect on what he's done in his work and in his life? Yeah. With Hallelujah being considered a, a masterpiece and I a hundred percent believe it is. And it being the label deciding it wasn't even worth putting out the album that it was on Crazy. is a really good reminder as an artist that like people don't know shit, you know? <laughs> right? yeah. And, it's true. Yeah. And, and in Hallelujah, I think it's one of the producers talking about how he thought they had made something great and then was like, I guess we didn't. He lost his whole career. He was fired by the record label and like this yeah. was the last album he made, but it turned out to be brilliant. Yeah. It's yes. it's, it's nuts. And there are times where like I've made something that I think is like okay and people really like it and something that I think is really special and no one responds to it. And I think, you know, desire the good opinion of yourself is is a, a big takeaway. Also just the fact that he was making music until he died. And even this album came out after he died. And you know, there was like the that also that poem when he was now I can't remember how old when he died. He was when he died, if he was late seventies or Late seventies. I don't know exact age. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was like the, he, he was it ballsy. Uh, there was that poem. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it was like I'm the Kanye West that Kanye thinks he is. Kind of a like that's like a scary thing to do, mm-hmm. you know. And he, uh, it just seemed like he was always willing to like take a risk, and like you were talking about Jake too, like not be stuck in like, well, I made this album and people like this album, so I have to keep sounding this way. I think like staying risky as an artist. Like the album Dear Heather, I don't know if that did well, but there's a lot that I love on there. I think just, yeah, staying true to yourself well, is, it sounds, is a huge. Yeah, it sounds like he was not just risky as an artist. He was just like a human that was willing to just be risky in general. I mean, going into the wilderness yes. for 10 days, going to war, you know, try, like yeah. just kind uh-huh. of like, I, I don't want to say impulsive, but, you know, leading with the heart instead of necessarily yes. logic. You know, and that's something that yeah, in life it's really hard to do as you get older because of social conditioning, mm-hmm. because of obligations, you know, family obligations and, 100%. you know, whatnot. And so like that's it to me, that's really inspiring. And it's also inspiring to think like, OK, you know, here I am in my 40s. Have I stopped creating or am I like just about to hit my stride in creating, you know? Yes, yes. I love that. I feel the same way. And I, I do think, you know, it's worth noting that it is more socially acceptable for a man who is a father to uproot his life and become a, a Zen Buddhist monk than for women. So like that is still something that's hopefully changing, but I think he was not risk averse and was always willing to, to uproot comfort for the sake of like answers and poetry and beauty. And um, I love that. Mm-hmm. And I, I always fancied myself a person like that. And now as I'm getting older and finding like myself more attached to these comforts, um, it's an interesting battle. Again, that idea of there is a war, there's a war between the me that wants to like do all the societal things, whether it's conditioning or because I actually want those things, who knows? And then also the desire to be like free and searching and yeah, drop acid and go on a 10 day fast in the wilderness and all that other stuff. Yeah. I mean, he, to me, was just a seeker is kind of how I see him. And the definition, if I, if I think of an artist, I think of him because he was 
yes, he had fame, but a lot of people don't know him still to this day. Right. He was on kind of the outside and he just yeah. con consistently worked and performed and wrote. And I mean, hallelujah, Claire, I don't think we mentioned this. It took him, what, seven years? I don't remember that. Yeah. Which it's funny. There's always the Bob Dylan comparison because Bob Dylan would just like spit him out and uh -huh. he's, you know, very famous and very successful. And, and they had some interesting interactions too, but yeah, he, he really, I like that too. I mean, perfectionism can be death because you can just like never release something, but I, I think it means more knowing that he really labored over mm -hmm. which line to use. And then there's like discarded lines that are just as beautiful and could have been in the song and lines that the Jeff Buckley version leaves out that I really love. Like the, the line, um, uh, oh, now I'm forgetting shit when I'm on the spot, but one of my favorite <laughs> lines in that song is not in the Jeff Buckley version. It's, uh, uh, there's a blaze of light in every word. It doesn't matter which you heard, the holy or the broken hallelujah. Is that it? No, no, sorry. It's, and even though it all went wrong, I'll stand before the Lord of song with nothing on my tongue but hallelujah. That's amazing. Of finding yeah. the beauty, even with everything going wrong, like that gives me chills too. And it's not even in the very beautiful Jeff Buckley. Right. Version. So Avi, I don't know you personally, but I feel like you're a, you're a, like you want to be a poet also. Are you writing poetry? <laughs> are you working on like, are you, are you writing lyrics or poetry or, or haikus or anything? I love this question. I was writing poetry a long time ago and then I just like didn't know what to do with it and then haven't touched it and maybe should come back to it. I did start writing um, maybe a novel and even just the difference of being in prose where you can really like revel in the language versus writing screenplays, which I normally do is so satisfying and, I've gotten some really nice feedback from very critical people. So I feel like this is a path that I should explore more. And then there is that feeling that you were talking about of like, am I too old? Am I just starting? Is you know, right. so where am I? Again, with Lenny. <laughs> yeah. You just have to I mean, maybe that's You just I mean, I think like yeah. the my takeaway is like I'm definitely gonna read his book and watch the documentary and listen to the music also, probably in probably not in that order, probably watch the documentary first. <laughs> um <laughs> but you know, the, the takeaway of like just being creative doesn't have to have limits. It doesn't mean yeah. it doesn't have to have labels. You know, and that's something that I have adapted to in my life with, you know, different jobs I do. And I find the joy in creativity in different scenarios. It doesn't have to be on camera. I don't have to be performing or whatever. And right. it sounds mm -hmm. like, you know, it's it it's very relatable, I think. And by the way, my yeah. friend just self-published a poetry book, more my friend Morgan. And I'm like, what? You gotta do that. You gotta you just gotta self-publish yeah. your poetry. Like, who cares? That's what Leonard wow. would do, right? That is so inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. I, I like forget there's all these avenues. You can just put stuff out. You just put it out. She gave me this beautiful like black book. I'll get it here in a minute and show it to you with like stars, celestial things. And it's like an amazing book about her, her journey of the last five years in poetry. I love that. That is your job. I'm that, giving like... you a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is hard when you, when you feel like the person you idolized, like you could never... Mm -hmm. compare you know but you shouldn't compare personal. you shouldn't compare because he wouldn't that's compare. true there's a line uh, let us compare mythologies is also like one of the the titles of his i think it's a collection of poetry now i'm forgetting but yeah we all have our different mythologies so our the way that our words are going to come across are are different i feel like i could have a whole conversation in leonard cohen lyrics like <laughs> that is a meme that i will make for you to share on your facebook page <laughs> 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 uh, 
There was, I went to go see him. I got to see him in concert twice. I, oh, remember. amazing. Once um, he was coming to LA, but I was flying back for, I think my dad's 50th at the time, but he was playing in San Diego the night before. So I like drove to San Diego, saw him, went straight to the airport and then flew back home. Um, and another time I was very broke and desperate to see him. And I was doing this thing that is so embarrassing in hindsight, where basically anytime I was talking to anybody who was Canadian, I'd be like, are you going to see Leonard Cohen? Do you have an extra ticket? And one time it worked. <laughs> and, it was very <laughs> and it was a date and it was a lovely time. But it was basically because my friend was friends with him. I was like, this is Casey. He's Canadian. And I was like, oh, do you like Leonard Cohen? <laughs> I'm going to the show. Um, and I got to see him. And he played for like three hours, even though, you know. Wow. He, he was old and he would always make this joke or not always. I, I heard it on recordings and he did it when I saw him too, where he'd be like, when I was just a young boy with a dream, a man of 60, you know, talking. About <laughs> it really makes you feel like there is time. We're not, we're not out of time. Yeah. Barring some, you know, the, the world ending, which might happen, but there isn't an age limit on creativity. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, Avatar, I mean, honestly, you've not only increased my love uh, today for Leonard Cohen, but you've shown me how little I know. So I am excited to get out there and listen to a lot more songs. And the amount of lyrics that you just spit today, my goodness, I'm I'm blown away. Like, Claire, like, I, I don't think I've ever experienced this. Have you with somebody with just quoting lyrics like this, just left and right in the conversation perfectly? Well, it is always a conversation I enjoy when that happens because it shows the depth of the uh, the passion for the subject. And, and mm -hmm. this is, I mean, I'm, I'm a poetry lyrical person as well, obviously. Ooh. So this is just so inspiring. I love it. Um, it makes you want to send you a bunch of stuff and be like, which one of these, like almost a personality test, like which of these lyrics are you most excited right. by? Okay. Listen to this song. And I also think yeah. that a good idea for you would be to start a TikTok where you just quote his lyrics and, you know, and pe like oh. get, get him out I did there. Do one video on his birthday yes. that I posted on TikTok. But it's a weird thing. I'm like, I think I would have to make a separate account. Yes, but I think you would. Yeah, but, <laughs> but I think it would be great. <laughs> you you could even dress up as him, you know? Like, just become Leonard Cohen on a different TikTok. Oh, my gosh. I have a friend, Susie, who dressed up as, like, Suzanne, basically, as the song Suzanne, because it's, uh, it's like, the... the the description of her is, and she feeds you tea and oranges that come all the way from China. And there's another line about wearing rags and feathers from Salvation Army counters. So she was wearing like feathers and had like tea and, tea oranges. and oranges. Oh and, my gosh, I love that. Yeah, that's so creative. I thought that was great. That's so creative. I know, maybe one day. I love that. Or even, yeah. I, this is such a crazy thing to say, but I did a show the other night. I was opening for um, Gabe Malika, had a solo show, and I did stand up at the top. And during his show, somebody in the front row, I couldn't stop staring at them because they looked like Leonard and I thought I would get to talk to him afterward and I didn't but it was like spooky and I always thought I would get to meet him and I didn't sadly and this it's insane it was just a lookalike but it really felt the way I would like watch him laughing during the show it like the the mannerisms were similar and it felt like I was visited by a ghost but sadly I was not I wish I were <laughs> um, <all> good <laughs> did we discuss if your if your partner has gotten into Leonard Cohen along with you hasn't really mm -hmm. um there are a couple songs and weirdly i can't remember what they are now there are a couple songs that he likes mm -hmm. he he's much more into like pop music and whatever's on the radio so i kind of have to give him the most accessible of them and i'm trying to remember what what that would even be but no is the short answer <laughs> 
but the relationship still works. That's good. That's what it, that <laughs> it gives me pause. Let's just say it gives me some concern, but hopefully it's fine. Hopefully it's a good balance. Yeah, just just program that into your Alexa or your Google Home and, you know, just start saturating <laughs> his brain with <laughs> I should. music. Yeah, I really should. I think one more thing that I'll, I want to mention, just because we were talking about him being a seeker and a searcher and, and sort of this uh, constraint of time that we put on ourselves. I, I love that he's this like sort of spiritual guide for me. And at the same time, he was always searching spiritually. Like he was, he grew up Jewish. He was very culturally Jewish. He obviously, you know, went mm-hmm. to Israel and volunteered in the war, but he also dabbled in Scientology, which, you know, was different back then. It's not what it is now. Um, and then obviously, you know, became a, a Buddhist. He, he never um, wasn't a Jew. Like, I think that was always part of his, actually, there's a great bit in, in this book where Bob Dylan becomes a Christian. And I can't remember who's telling this story or who saw it, but Leonard's just sort of walking around the house, like muttering me, I just don't get the Jesus thing. Like, I just, I don't understand the Jesus part, but that willingness to like sort of try out different religions, even while being rooted in his own, I think speaks to a a curiosity. And also like, to me, it feels like he knows everything. When I listen to a song, I'm like, he just got it, but that he didn't feel that way. And that this, this quest was always sort of unveiling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that, you know, much like in the vein of Tommy or whatnot, there could be a Leonard Cohen musical? Oh, a hundred percent. I definitely think that's it. I wonder if I could write it. It wouldn't be as poppy, you know, but some of it could be mm-hmm. and would be. I mean, he has a song, Don't Go Home With Your Heart On. It's like just about, you know, don't go home with a boner. Like there, <laughs> it runs the gamut from like very deep and, you know, meaningful to like kind of silly. Right, right. I would like to see that yeah. musical. I think that, uh, as well as the poetry book, I'd like you to start working on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Oh my gosh, I would love to. That would be cool. I did talk to an exec once about Field Commander Cohen and how that could be mm-hmm. kind of a show. Him as like a Cuban spy, you know, a spy in Cuba, not mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. A, a Cuban person who's a spy. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. what do you what do you think? We kind of like to drill down. We're nearing the end. We're going to get into the love letter. But what do you think about you as a person attracts you to this particular artist, his lyrics, his style, his evolution, everything? Like what inside of you, maybe something growing up, maybe an influence in your childhood? What do you what do you think that is that draws you to this like highly emotional, versatile, creative man? I grew up Orthodox Jewish, which is like very sort of like oppressively Jewish. And I've rejected that, had a a very sort of hard time reconciling that with who I want to be in this world and like forming some idea of spirituality that isn't connected to like restriction and religion and um, adherence to certain laws. I think it helps that a lot of that he's Jewish and some of his perspective is Jewish um, because it feels like a way in. Mm -hmm to to god to like spirituality that makes sense to me just on a a guttural level there's also i think jake you were saying something about you know him being very well known but also still kind of being like an outsider one of his more famous songs chelsea hotel number two he it's all about um janice joplin so that's an interesting listen if you're like a a music person because they had sort of an affair the line in the song famously is um she says she told me again she preferred handsome men but for me, she would make an exception. Oh. Uh, and there's a line <laughs> that also says, yeah, so good. 
where she says, we are ugly, but we have the music. Uh, and I think Leonard is a very handsome man, but that feeling of like, we're ugly, but we have something to give uh-huh. and wanting to figure out what that is. And yeah, I, I think also even as a storyteller, it's very inspiring. That same song at the end of the song, he says, I remember you well in the Chelsea hotel. That's all. I don't think of you that often. And it feels like he's lying, but like, we're supposed to understand that he's lying. It's like, you know, the thou doth protest too much kind of thing of like, I don't even think about you, but here's this whole song about you. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and the way that you can tell a story, even by what you're not telling, you know, like that's very inspiring to me, the ways that people tell on them, themselves and how you can like use that as a storytelling tool. I, I guess another piece that shaped me is, you know, I fe- my biological mom died when I was a baby, but my dad remarried. So I grew up with a mom, but I found out uh, about this other mom who had died when I was like five and so I think I, you know, I was on antidepressants very early. I, I think I got kind of obsessed with my own mortality. And I used to have like nightmares that my mom who raised me was going to die. And, and just this like constant fear about death and like, what is the point? And I think the way he talks about death is like a very useful tool for me. I mean, you want it darker is like a very, that feels like one side of the coin. That's like all sort of this anger at God that I do really relate to. But then there's also this song going home and and that's all about dying. And he says, you know, I'm going home without my burden, going home behind yeah. the curtain, going home without this costume that I wore. Ah. Right? Claire, <laughs> <laughs> you're my people. <laughs> yes. And I almost want to pull it up because there's so many beautiful lines and I can do it like in order, almost like the alphabet, you know, I can get to the lines if I'm like singing, but it's harder without... It's rude. The chutzpah. I Google going home lyrics and it doesn't bring up Leonard Cohen. It brings up some other going home that I don't care about. He will speak these words of wisdom like a sage, a man of vision. This is all him talking about himself in the third Mm -hmm. person. Though he knows he's really nothing but the brief elaboration of a tube. And this idea, oh, this I'll mention because I want to use in my love song too. But the line is, he wants to write a love song, an anthem of forgiving, a manual for living with defeat. A cry above the suffering, a sacrifice recovering, but that isn't what I need him to complete. It's like God is like, like he's like, here's what I want to sing about, but here's what I'm being forced to talk about mm-hmm. instead. It's just, <sighs> I just want to cry. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he was really tapped in. And it does make you wonder, like, if Hallelujah took seven years, he he was churning out albums, but he wasn't doing it at a rate that sacrificed, like, the the poetry or the you know yeah I wonder how long it took yeah. him to rework some words and to re you know to rework certain songs also how long it took him sometimes to perform there's one I can't remember which documentary it is and I think they mentioned it in the book too it's a there's an account of I can't remember if it was actually maybe even in Tel Aviv he was performing somewhere and he came out on stage and just like didn't mean it And it was a packed audience, but he said, like, you know, some nights you just can't get off the ground. And he, like, was unwilling to perform and just go through the motions. Yeah. And he ended up, I might be combining two different stories. I think he ended up performing, I hope. But he, like, went backstage. He had learned, I think, from his mom that, like, a shave will, like, calm him down. He, like, went backstage, shaved. Everybody was, like, cheering for him and wanted him to come back out. And I think he, like, tapped in 
to whatever, whatever. and came back out. Mm-hmm. There's nothing worse than that. as a performer when you're not like locked in to. You don't have it. Yeah. Going through the motion. Yeah, that's it's horrible. And then you're look at yourself reflecting and. You know, yeah. Yes, I can. I wonder if in his seventies he was more like. I'm just going to perform, especially after his manager stole all of his money mm-hmm. and he needed it, you know, but maybe didn't have the luxury or maybe that's also kind of youth's folly and something that he grew out of. But yeah. definitely fascinating to see, like, as a younger man, he he wouldn't phone it in. I love that. Don't phone it in. It so that is an, another Leonard lesson. Yeah. LL. All yes. right. Avi, let's get to the love letter. Please, if you would regale us with a love letter to Leonard Cohen. And maybe I just will say it in his words for any other geeks that that get it. But I want to say, dear Leonard, please walk by me again. And thank you for the manual of living with defeat. Love, Avital. That's sort of sad. Oh, I love it. No, that's (laughs) not sad. That's a perfect end to the discussion because that's (laughs) it's perfect leonard cohen this episode is brought to you by philo do you love tv do you love saving money then philo is your solution philo has shows movies and live tv for just 25 dollars a month you can even try it for free with their seven day free trial no contracts no commitments no hassles just a better way to watch tv Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. And as usual, Jake, I walk away wanting to, <laughs> wanting to really get into Leonard Cohen. I mean, what is wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with you. I need more you. hours in the day. Yes, there's nothing. I need wrong. more hours in the day. You need more hours in the day and four babysitters, one for each kid, so you could just listen to Leonard Cohen <laughs> and go to town. I, I mean, I'd like to like go stay in like a yurt. You know, I've always wanted to stay in one of those. <laughs> they sound and cool. Just kind of like hang out on a sleeping bag. I don't need ayahuasca. I don't need any of that stuff. Just like give me some peace and quiet, some Leonard Cohen, and let me chill for a bit. And you know, maybe I'll come back and I'll be a totally like different person. I'll probably be the exact same person, just a little more relaxed. Yeah. But you know. Or maybe you'll just That's stay a fantasy there. Of mine. You could just stay there for the rest of your life, you know, just go enjoy. Just live in the yurt. <laughs> just be the yurt girl. <laughs> the yurt girl oh, i like the sound of that i i really i mean the the quotes just it's like every time i think i i have an understanding of leonard cohen or even in just this discussion that i have an understanding uh she would just drop a line that would hit home and and judging by your audible gasps i can tell that oh it hits yeah. you like the line about like in every Every crack, there's like a sliver of light or whatever that line is. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so true. So true. And then you just have to build on that light and make that crack bigger. And then you're living again. <laughs> and it's so it's it's so cool because not only the, the lyrics make so much sense, but hearing Avital talk about this, you can tell these lyrics course through her blood. Like she is all about this. Well, I think we really dialed into like something really meaningful with the parallel between growing up Orthodox and then sort of 
having the freedom to release from the parameters of that particular lifestyle, but still connect with God. And, and somehow this man allowed her that freedom. Mm -hmm. And so that was like, that's like a really powerful moment, not something everyone can break through on, you know, I'm still with religion. I'm still like, Hey, win me over. <laughs> you want me to be a Buddhist? Do you want me to be, you know, a, a Protestant, what are you a Catholic, offering here? whatever, you know, win, win me over. Who's, who's going to make my life the easiest. <laughs> I mean, it hits me hard. Uh, Leonard Cohen hits me hard um, because, you know, I'm, I'm culturally Jewish and I actually, my father's Orthodox, but I'm open to all these different uh, faith systems and different types of religions uh, because there's just so much unknown out there. And really hearing Avatar talk about the darkness in her life that she could connect with Leonard Cohen made me realize how much that his music like just helps me be okay with my darkness and any kind of sad thing mm -hmm. going on. I mean, it's just, it's nice to have somebody sing a song that just hits you so hard that you're like, wow, I'm not alone. Right. No, definitely. So, so did you grow up Orthodox as well? Oh, no, no, no. We, my dad didn't become Orthodox okay. until my grandpa died. And then when Jewish people die, you go and say a thing called Shiva afterwards. Yeah, you, you sit Shiva you for sit like shiva. seven days. Exactly. Right? So my dad yeah. started going to synagogue every morning and he just found like a piece. He found like his yoga. He found his thing that he's been searching for. And then he just kind of became Orthodox. And it was very interesting seeing that transition. But... You know, it's pretty cool. It's just like Leonard Cohen was doing. You just find yourself later in life. I just really want to say that's an unorthodox, orthodox transition. Oh, and on that, thank you all so much. I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. It's good. Uh, anyway, this has been a great episode of Fanatics. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Avital is amazing. We love her. Definitely check out. She's got her stand-up dates listed on her website, uh, which is avitalash.com. That's A-V-I-T-A-L-A-S-H.com. And we hope you guys will tune in next week. Oh, and let us know what you think. We are Fanatics on Twitter. We are fanatics.com, where you can check out all the episodes, mm -hmm. almost getting, getting up there, over 90 at this point. Um, let us know your fave. Take care, everybody. See you next Thursday. Bye. And before I let you guys go, next week on Fanatics, we have Henry Thomas. Oh, yes, guys. It's true. Elliot from E.T. You know him from Gangs in New York, the upcoming The Fall of the House of Usher. Henry comes on Fanatics to talk about historical martial arts combat. It, it's a really interesting episode that I'm very excited about. So we will see you guys next Thursday. Thank you for listening to Fanatics, a Roddenberry podcast. For more episodes and info, head over to wearefanatics.com or tweet your Fanatics thoughts and stories at wearefanatics. Yes, that's we are F-A-N-A-D-D-I-C-T-S. Our show is hosted by Claire Kramer and me, David Magadoff. Produced by me, Claire Kramer, and Kelsey Goldberg. Executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham. And you can thank Stephen Mudd for our theme song. Catch us next Thursday for another Fanatics episode. Enhance your listening experience with Wondry Plus. Enjoy ad-free listening, exclusive content, binges, and more. Join Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or on Apple Podcasts.